This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. everybody this is Bob Salter on our program this morning we should have very interesting uh, discussion in really both hours of the show we have a couple of guests who will join us in the uh, seven o'clock hour when our main topic is going to be in the area of prostate cancer awareness and in hour one of our program we have a very interesting area to go into in discussion and an important one too. Mike Fisher is in studio and is joining us today. He is affiliated with the West 58th Street Coalition here in the city. First of all, it's nice to have you join us. Thank you. Welcome to the fan. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and happy Father's Day to everybody. Yes, happy Father's Day. Um, I guess there's so many different things which we're going to try to touch upon over the course of um, this hour. A little bit of background as to, first of all, exactly what the coalition is, and then we'll kind of get into exactly where you're going right now. Sure. So the West 58th Street Coalition was established basically um, of people with throughout our community. It's not just 58th Street. It's 59th Street, 57th Street, 56th Street, um, specifically uh, regarding um, a fire trap building that the mayor wants to convert into a homeless shelter. And by the way, we are 110% in favor of homeless shelters. It's not an issue uh, at all for us, and especially for me. I, I believe that um, everybody deserves uh, the opportunity for rehabilitation. It's more specifically about this very dangerous building. Okay. Now, there, we're going to get into the reasons why it is that you are uh, so opposed to this specific facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it being used in this fashion. But again, I'm trying to set the stage for folks who are listening uh, to us because there are some people who are familiar with the area. Um, to be frankly honest with you, um, one of our uh, sister stations um, back in the day, the old 92.3 K-Rock literally was in that general area uh, in two different uh, entities. So I'm familiar with the area itself. But when we talk about the area where you live, what, I guess, what kind of structures typically are there right now? Building-wise? Yes. Well, so I've been there for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And when I moved in, you know, I bought a two-bedroom apartment, took out a nice hefty mortgage, 
And uh, today, uh, you, you had to take out a hefty mortgage. I took out a nice there? hefty mortgage. Oh. Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, not. I mean, you know, hefty for me. It all depends on what you consider hefty. But the bottom line is, is that now um, they're building these very tall buildings on 57th Street. Mm. But now they're calling 58th Street Billionaires Row because there's about, uh, I would say, four very, very tall buildings, taller than the Empire State Building, that are housing billionaires. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, the mayor created a program called uh, Turning the Tide Program. And and that was to saw that the need to create um, you know more housing for the homeless. Um, so, but which which was interesting is that in his first term, he he never even heard the word homeless come out of his mouth. Now all of a sudden, the second term, he's rushing to open up ninety shelters around the city, um, and he's he's subcontracting these shelters to outside organizations. Um, the buildings, many of the buildings, are owned by slum landlords. These are buildings that have that are not safe, that they're putting very investing very little money into in order to uh, you know bring them up to code. They're really not even bringing them up to code, and um, it's creating a, a very very bad situation and a dangerous situation for uh, you know people that are moving in. And this isn't just about not only about um, for the shelters, but also for affordable housing. The same thing. And what's scary is is that um, the building in our street, which is the the old Park Savoy Hotel, which is over a hundred years old, um, the the mayor, uh, um, not the mayor, but there was a company, an outside company called uh, Westhab, who was searching for a building where they could, you know, open up a facility and manage it. So they found this building and they presented it to the city. When so, when was that? A couple of years ago, probably a couple of years ago. Okay. So they presented it to the city. And the city goes, okay, great. We'll pay you millions of dollars. You can pay the owner of the building millions of dollars. You know, you'll, you'll make tons and tons of money on it. And, uh, and so if you're the owner of the building, you're not going to want to put that much money into it because the less money you put into it, the more profit there is for you. So this particular building, which I call um, the Fire Trap Parks of Boy Hotel, is a, is a major fire trap. And um, it has, and what makes it a fire trap is that it has literally only one way in and one way out. There's only one staircase, and this is a nine-story high-rise. And this is 2019. Yes. So basically, you have dead-end hallways, very narrow hallways. You have um, winding, narrow staircases. The staircases remind me a lot of what was in the Happy Land Social Club. We were talking back, about this before we started. The yes, program. back back in 1990, the Happy Land Social Club was a two-story building. Had uh, and it was a building that the city wanted to close down, but nobody ever enforced it. The DOB never enforced it, and so the, it remained open. And the bottom line is, with that particular building, is they had one one narrow narrow staircase. When there was a fire in the building, people tried to escape, but they were tripping all over each other, and they literally couldn't get get out. They didn't burn to death. They died of smoke inhalation. Right. And this building, the Park Savoy Hotel, is identical in many ways to that. Only the difference being is that it's a nine-story building. So you have – I mean, this is probably the best way to look at this building. You have a fire that breaks out on, a, on one floor in the building. Let's say on the sixth floor. Okay. Now, keep in mind that they took the air conditioning units out of the building. Okay. They removed all the window air conditioning units. 
So now, and this building gets very, very hot. So now, with all the air conditioning units removed, they keep their doors open, the residents. The residents keep their windows open, right? There's a fire in the room. There's no sprinklers in the rooms. There are sprinklers in the hallways, but there are no sprinklers in the rooms. So now there's a fire that breaks out in the room. Maybe they plug in a fan and they plug in a microwave and a fire, you know, starts. With the windows open, the fire will spread 10 or 15 times faster. It will be a disaster. You're going to have people dying. And maybe the city says, hey, you know what? Statistically, if you lose five or six people in a fire, it's no big deal. I don't know if that's their thinking or not. You know, you always hear about that well, with, hopefully, with, with uh, signal yeah. lights. You know, they say, well, we, we won't put a signal light in unless, you know, you know, statistically 50 people die. I don't know if that's the same thing the city's doing here, but it's pretty disgusting if it is. So, you know, so basically, let's just say there's a fire. So you have 150 residents in this building that are going to try to get out of the building while you have 50 fire guys trying to get up those same staircases. Now, keep in mind also that in this building, there are two, there are two hallways. On e- one is on the left side. One is on the right side. So if there's a fire, literally, it's a dead-end hallway. You can't es- the only way you can escape out is one way. Now, picture the emergency situation where you have a major fire there and people are panicking. And maybe some of these people are sleeping and maybe they just don't want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they're being trapped. And then they, they finally get out of bed and they can't get down the stairs because they're so narrow. By the way, to add insult to injury, on the bottom of the staircase, on the opposite side of the wall, there's a kitchen. Now, I brought this to the attention of the city. They, their response is, well, we just warm food up there. Well, you can't have a fire in a kitchen where you're just warming up food. So God forbid there's a fire there. People will be trapped on the staircase, okay? Now, the hallway going from the staircase all the way to the exit to exit the building is, a lo- is pretty much of a long walk, especially when you have a fire. Now, to add more insult to injury, which is really sad, is they have um, security equipment that blocks the exit there for people get- going out and coming in. They have all the security Security equipment. There. What do you mean? What kind of security equipment? You know, like scanning equipment, and they have equipment where they check your bags and everything that they, you know, sort of that like you go to the airport. The, that blocks the exit? That blocks the exit. Yeah. I'll, I have pictures here I'll show you in a little aye, bit. Aye, aye, it, it, it's, a, it's amazing. You can't, honestly, folks, I like, every time I think of this, I like roll my eyes thinking to myself, you can't make this up. You can't make this up. You know, what I find really fascinating about this is that, um, we reached out to a number of experts in the city to look at this building. We're not the experts. So we brought these experts in, right? So one of the experts I brought in was a guy, is a guy named Glenn Corbett. Glenn Corbett served on the Mayor Bloomberg's Building Code Force and drafted uh, model building code for adoption and implementation in, in 2008 for all these codes, new codes. He also teaches fire science at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice, where he's taught there a number of years. He's also been a firefighter. What does he say about the building? As a fire safety expert who helped draft the 2008 building code, I am deeply troubled that the DOP, in its misguided reliance upon the grandfathering provision, would issue a TCO for the extremely unsafe building. I implore the court to not allow this to open. Temporary certificate of occupancy yes. is TCO? Okay. Yeah. So... Then we have an ex- Then we have another guy who's a retired firefighter. What does he say? As a firefighter for 25 years, I would never want to fight a fire in a nine-story building that has only one means of egress. It is simply too dangerous. Hold that thought, okay? okay. Because there's, there's so many different things that 
Go ahead. Are, are swimming through my head, literally, as mm-hmm. you were saying this. And I'm thinking of them and thinking of areas where we are going to go in this discussion. Because some of the people listening to us are probably raising questions in their head of some areas where we want to go in this discussion, too. Sure. We'll take a pause. Um, also take a look around the sporting world here, a few messages. We're talking with Mike Fisher on our program He's affiliated with the West 58th Street Coalition. You want to join us in the discussion, you can. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. This is Bob Solter. We are in a discussion with Mike Fisher from the West 58th Street Coalition. I think, you're, I think you kind of like being here. I love it here. This is, I mean, this is every every guy's dream to stand to sit behind a microphone at WFAN. It's my favorite sports cha- sports channel. I love it. All right, let's do a little bit of um, some of the things that we had talked about before we got onto the program today, um, because you're talking about the situation with um, this Park Savoy Hotel site. Some people listening to this discussion will hit you with a phrase that I know coalition members have heard, NIMBYs. Yes. It stands for not in my backyard. Yep. How do you respond to that? Well, you know, I can't speak for other people in the community, but I can tell you right now I am not a NIMBY. Uh, I am fighting because this building is unsafe. I've known it's been unsafe for many years. Um, I knew that the building was being run as an illegal hotel, that the city wouldn't give them a permit to operate it legally as a hotel because it only had one staircase going in and one staircase going out. So I, I'm not offended by it. It doesn't apply to me. How long was it run in that fashion? You know, I can't, I, I would, my understanding is it, it, it's probably been run like that the whole time, you know, with these owners. They, they never had a, a legal permit. Not only do they not have a legal permit to run it as a hotel, which is pretty scary, but they also were, had two restaurants in there where they didn't have a legal permit to operate as well, and these restaurants didn't have sprinklers in them. So if you had a fire in the kitchen, wait a minute, wait, how on earth does this happen? Been going on for it was the restaurants didn't years. have sprinklers. They did not have sprinklers. They just they just put sprinklers in in the in the downstairs area and the hallways, but not in the in the rooms. But yeah, no sprinklers. Like I said earlier, you can't make this up. This is a no brainer. This is a no-brainer. You know, I, <clears throat> I was reading you some quotes from some of these experts. So the, um, <clears throat> the next captain for the New York Fire Department for, from, for many, 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 many years says, there is significant risk that people will lose their lives if this building is permitted to open and operate as a homeless shelter at this time. The building is a fire trap and disaster waiting to happen. You know, then I get a guy, okay, who used to be the commissioner for the Department of Buildings for Manhattan, who's an architect. And he said, and he supervised, well, he, he worked for the Department of Buildings, but he also worked for the Department of Homeless, where he actually was the guy that went out and selected all the buildings. Selected all the buildings, right? So what does he say? He says that um, as, as borough commissioner and as facilities manager for the Department of Homeless, I never would have accepted this building as a site for the homeless shelter, nor would I have permitted this building to operate as a homeless shelter in its current condition. And then I got another guy who used to work for the Department of Homeless, Deputy Commissioner, 
And he also got involved with selecting sites. In my experience, Department of Homeless Services should not tolerate illegal and dangerous construction on proposed shelters. If I were supervising this shelter project, I would have ensured that all applicable city laws were followed during the renovation of this site. Based on my experience, the building is currently dangerous, unsafe for occupation, and there's a disaster waiting to happen. These are some of the top experts in New York City when it comes to, to fire safety and people who've worked for the Department of Homeless. And what's, this is, to me, this is probably one of the biggest cover-ups I've seen in the city, and I'm sure there are many others. But this is a huge cover-up because um, I know people that, have, that know the fire commissioner very well, and he has basically said, I can't comment, it, comment on it. I've been told not to say anything. I've been told to stay out of it. This is the mayor's project. Now, you may ask, why would the city fight so hard to put a shelter on this street? Why? doesn't make any sense. And probably everybody listening is probably thinking that. Well, it's very simple. In this particular street, the Park Savoy Hotel backs up against a newly built, which they call a billionaire's building, where actually Michael Dell has a $150 million penthouse in. And the mayor loves the optics the optics of having this building that just brushes up against it where every morning people look out at their building and they see the shelter. Mm-hmm. That's his kind of crazy thoughts about it. So that's the reason why they're fighting so hard. Under normal circumstances, if this building was just somewhere else, the city would probably back off of it in a heartbeat. What about an alternate site? Well, we proposed to the city an alternate site one street away, a couple blocks away, on 57th Street. So it's, it's still in the neighborhood. It's still in the neighborhood. Um, it is, it's a building that was previously a drug rehabilitation center. It is also, the building can be used for, you know, homeless population as residents there. And it has two means of egress. The rooms are bigger. It's safer. Probably some additional work needs to be done, which if I'm involved in this, I wouldn't let it open until certain things other things maybe that need to get done, get done. There's no reason. These, the owners of these buildings are making millions. To give you a better idea of what I mean by millions, the guy that owns the Park Savoy Hotel, he'll make $70, $80 million on this one contract. $70, $80 million on a building that's probably worth $20, $30 million. So he'll double the value of, of what his building is worth just on renting it to the city. West Ham that would manage the site will make millions also. It seems to me that all these people are making millions. The mayor's trying to make himself look good, okay? And, and, and you know what? The people that are being left out in the wind, left out outside, are the, are the people that are, would be occupying the building. It's not right. I want to bring up something I think is important f- for your audience to know. And that's, and I'm sure a lot of people heard about it. That was the fire in Harlem about yes. a month ago. It was a devastating fire. It was a fire in a building where um, it was a hundred year old building. Um, I don't know the exact age, so I, I believe it's about a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. And there was a family of six living in an apartment. Now, um, unfortunately, the kids were playing with the stove, and the kitchen catches fire, and everybody is trapped in bedrooms. Now, this building has fire escapes. So you would think that they'd have easy access to the fire escapes, right? Wrong. Wrong. The DOB, who, Department of Buildings, who we're supposed to trust, we're supposed to put all our trust in, 
okay, approved this building even though they did not have access, you know, out of the building in the event of a fire in the kitchen. There was no access into the hallway. There was no access to the fire escapes. They were trapped there. And what's very, very sad about this is when the uh, the fire department arrived, and every time I think this, it just it, it gets me like so sick because these people could be living today, and these kids will never see daylight. And that is the fire department arrives, and they hear the kids yelling and screaming. And they Literally. And be saved, yeah. Oof. And the fire department was just, very, I mean, devastating to them to have to see that. What really upsets me about this, and probably would upset your audience too, is that the day after the fire, the mayor and the commissioner for the fire department hold a press conference, you know, uh, talking about how sad it is and these things shouldn't happen. And the commissioner even says, well, they, they were trapped. They couldn't get to the fire escapes. So now the commissioner who knows about the Park Savoy Hotel, and he does know about it because he and I, I email him all the time, so he's very familiar with it. And I bumped into him once at an event, and he gave me maybe 30 seconds when he found out I was talking about the Park Savoy Hotel. Um, you know, he, he wouldn't like – I, I, if I were him, I'd throw my badge on the, on the mayor's desk and say, not on my clock. If this if, – if, if you're going to allow this building to open up, especially after what happened in Harlem, I'm going to throw my badge down on your desk because this should not open. That's what I would do. And that's what he should do. And he's a very – and I will say to you that the commissioner for the fire department is a very honorable guy, and he's a hero. He's a great guy, and I've met him, and I've watched him speech, speak and everything. And I really like the guy a lot. And unfortunately, I guess when you start to think, I don't want to lose my retirement package or whatever it is, you know, you just like give in to the mayor. The mayor should not have control over picking unsafe buildings. He should not be able to manipulate the system so that unsafe buildings are approved. And he's doing that by allowing this building, by forcing this building to open. That's why you need an independent agency to come in and, and come in and look at this building and determine whether it's safe or not, independent of the mayor. Okay. So this site mm-hmm. obviously is the focus of your coalition's work. Correct. What about other sites? Because, you know, you mentioned early on that, as you said, the mayor is trying to get a whole lot of these sites opened around mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Are there similar concerns being raised in other areas? I mean, do you interact with other groups? Some of the concerns that I'm hearing about from other communities is that um, they're opening up homeless shelters across the street from schools and and churches. Uh, as far as you know, con- construction issues, I haven't really wrapped my hands around it because I've been spending so much time with this particular building. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to explore other buildings. I was in a building that was about 110 years old, and I and it was very similar to the the Park Savoy. And I go, I wonder if there's two egresses in here. Sure enough, there was. This is a very unusual building, and the reason why they only put one egress in this building was to have more room for more rooms. I I just I fail to understand the logic of that, and why that was never amended, addressed. You know, it's 2019. Well, the city has never been called out on it like we are on this situation. And the city has abided by what's called grandfather laws. Basically what the grandfather law says is, you know, if you're a 100-year-old building, to bring the building up to code like current buildings, it's going to cost a lot of money. So we'll overlook certain things. So they have taken that to mean 
doesn't matter how unsafe a building is, we can open it up. And we're arguing that that's not the case. We're arguing that the building has to be safe in order for you to open it up. And that's what the law says. It says it has to be safe in order to open it up. In addition, the law says that if you change the use of a building, which they did in this case, they went from being a hotel, mm -hmm. illegally run hotel, but nonetheless a hotel, uh, to a, um, a shelter, they're supposed to bring the building totally up to code. Now, you might want to ask me, what if the city turned around and said, you know what? We're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to bring the building totally up to code. Now, how do you feel about a shelter in a neighborhood? I'd be the welcome wagon. I would welcome everybody happily knowing that the building is safe. For, the, for me to be satisfied that the building is safe, they need to put in an extra staircase. They need to demolish the existing staircase, which is a very narrow winding staircase, and put a new one in. I'd like to see sprinklers in the rooms. Um, isn't that isn't that code? It is on new buildings. It should be code. You know what? Let's put it a different way. If this building was owned by the city of New York, you mean the building, touch the building we're in now, or are you talking about the no, building? no? If the Park Savoy okay. was owned by the city of New York, okay. they would they would not they would not make it a shelter. They would spend the money necessary to make it to bring it up to code. But because it's not owned by the city of New York, because it's owned by somebody who's profiting and making millions and millions of dollars over the millions and millions of dollars they have from other buildings they rent out to the building, to the city rather, um, they get away with it. And the city's gotten away with this for, for many years. I mean, they've, th this isn't new. This isn't just about this mayor. This is about previous mayors too. And somebody, ha somebody like myself and, and many other people have to speak up and, and object to this. What I find particularly sad, and I spoke to you about this earlier, is that 90% of the people that are in these buildings mm -hmm. are black and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about the Department of Buildings. I mean, they let a building go that had um, lead chip paint, chips of paint on the wall, and the kids were eating them off the walls. Where was the DOB? Why didn't they look out after those kids? Where was the DOB for the, for the building in Harlem? And the list goes on and on and on. It's pathetic. I would love to see a coalition of you know the blacks and Hispanics get together and speak out against this because I think this is something that needs to be addressed. And I was in Harlem a week ago at an event, and uh, I got very, very, very good reception from everybody. They were just so happy that I was actually bringing this subject up and talking about it. They were very, very happy about it because they don't want to see their people go in these buildings. It's unsafe. And why does, why does the city permit this? It just doesn't make any sense. And it frustrates me mm. to no end. Mike Fisher, who is affiliated with the West 58th Street Coalition, is talking with us this first hour of our program on the fan this Sunday morning and uh, sharing information. Interesting discussion we're having. Um, you know, you want to join us? You can. 877-337-6666 is our number. Uh, here at WFAN, we got more to get to with uh, Mike. We'll take a pause in our discussion and continue this chat. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Mike Fisher, who is with the West 58th Street Coalition, talking with us about um, the work of the coalition and concerns about this uh, 
a plan on the city's part to um, open a homeless shelter at the uh, former um, Park Savoy Hotel site on uh, 58th Street. One of the things that we haven't talked about is exactly how it is that you're going about fighting this. One of the ways you're doing that is through the courts. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, fighting it many different ways, meeting with politicians, getting, uh, gaining a lot of their support actually, um, but fighting it through the courts. So we filed papers. We went to court. And unfortunately, in the lower court, the uh, Judge Tish decided not to review the actual laws, okay, around the grandfather laws and, and all of that. All he did was say, I have to trust the DOB. So basically what he's saying is the DOB never makes mistakes. The DOB should never be held accountable. Just trust the DOB. So we filed an appeal in the appellate division. And uh, we were, um, and and then we asked for a stay. So uh, we were given a stay where the shelter can open up. The stay was just recently reversed by a different judge in the appellate division, but that's just the stay. That doesn't mean anything because we're we're actually um, going to be going before a panel of five appellate judges, and the argument is going to be that the lower court judge didn't review any of the laws. Didn't, didn't look at the fact that they're breaking the law. I mean, the city is basically breaking the law. They're breaking the law when it comes to the grandfather law. They're breaking the law, so many things in that building. I mean, it's a death trap. And we're confident we're going to win that. Now, most likely that would be sent back to the lower court where Judge Tish is then asked to review the laws. And, you know, if that didn't go in our favor, then we'd go back into the appellate court again. But we're very confident that we feel very comfortable in the case that we're going to, to win um, at the appellate court level. All I have to say is if for some reason we don't win the court case, honestly, I'd have to say it's fixed because every expert, every legal expert says that this building is unsafe. But I don't believe that it's fixed. I was just I was just joking around about that. I just think that, um, you know, I think once we get in front of the, the appellate division, I think uh, I think we should be fine. I think that the courts have to look at the laws uh, regarding this this building and you know and apply them properly to this building as well as other buildings. I love to see the courts set a precedence um, regarding grandfather buildings, so that in the future buildings are required to um, that they want to use that are 100 plus years old are apply, are required to go through a major major uh, inspection by experts and are and the experts tell the owners of these buildings what they need to do in order to make it safe so that in the event there's that terrible fire that the the residents have a, a chance to get out in the case of the Harlem fire they had no chance to get out two thoughts regarding what you'd like to see in that fashion. Um, one, I guess, is how likely realistically is that to happen? And secondly, what would it take for that to happen? Is that something that requires legislation? It would most likely require legislation. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to go that route. I've already route. I'm all, I've already been to Albany. I've already been there. I've already accomplished some things there. So the people actually listen. Some do actually. Some actually have a heart and listen, you know. I think the challenge that we have, to be perfectly honest with you, is that we've gotten a really bad rap with the press referring to 
our street is Billionaires Row, even though it's really 57th Street that's Billionaires Row, not 58th Street. And I think that, I don't think people take it seriously. And very often when I speak to the press, I say to them, you know, guys, this is a serious situation here. These, you're talking about lives. And you're talking about fires and deaths and, and, and all that stuff. I go, we can't make a joke about this. You can't make you know, sensationalize these stories about you know, billionaires that are fighting against homeless people because I'm not working with any billionaires fighting you know, against this unsafe shelter. I'm not a billionaire. I wish I was, but I'm not. Maybe someday. Mm. And when you look at you know, the idea of all these legal steps, mm-hmm. is there any idea of how long all of this is going to take? Well, I, I know t- it's the court system, so that can take a while. It's really not going to take that long because what's going to happen is, is we're going to appeal it. We're going to make an um, appeal in front of five judges in September. And then they make their decision. Whatever that is, it is. If it's to go back to the lower court, then it goes back to the lower court. So if it goes back to Judge Tish, right, where this basically all started. Where he has to look at the laws. Yeah. Then he has to look at everything. And if he doesn't, in our opinion, interpret it the way it should be interpreted, uh, and Judge Tish, you know, I, I want to say that he's a great, he was a really good guy. I've sat in the courtroom. I have nothing, you know, personally against him whatsoever. I respect him and everything, but, you know, I don't agree with him. Um, so I plan on seeing this thing through. You know, a lot of people will say to me, my God, you, you, you know, my kids, you know, dad, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're spending your whole life on this thing. They will laugh about it after a while. But, you know, I want to teach them that, you know what, when you believe in something, it's like I believe in this cause, that you have to you have to go to the end, and I'll go to the end, whatever it takes. You know, if I if we lose the court case, I'm still fighting it in Albany. I still want to create legislation, you know, when it comes to grandfather laws to protect people. Um, I, you know, because if I can save a life or two or three or ten or a hundred, that would make me feel really good. You know, I I tell my kids and I tell my friends who are probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about it, but when I I tell them all that. Um, I'm very committed to this because I can never look myself in the mirror and someday hear about a fire where people get killed and I knew I could do something about it. When the fire broke out in Harlem and six people had died in that fire, I I was just beside myself because I thought to myself, here it is. This is a good example. This is what can happen in this building and it could be a lot worse. And and that even made me stronger with my convictions to want to fight this thing. And, you know, I, I think that you, you just can't give up. And a lot of people, the reason why the city gets away with what they get away with a lot of times is because nobody fights them. I believe that when you fight and, and you don't give up, you can win. And we're fighting a very logical case. It's not like we're going to the city and saying, do something that's, you know, outrageously, you know, crazy. We're going to the city and saying, hey, guys, before you approve buildings for occupancy, for affordable housing, or for homeless, just make sure the building's safe. Don't do it haphazardly, which is what they did. You know, they had no the city had no idea what we knew about this building and how unsafe it was until we brought it to their, their attention. Then all of a sudden they were like, all right, we'll put some fire alarms in. We'll put some fireproof doors in, you know. And then they come back to us and say, we don't have to do these things, but we'll do them anyway. Well, I say to the city, guess what, guys? That is not enough. It's not enough to make the building safe, and you know that. 
we don't have to do these things. That's part of the message you get. You know, part of the message I get from the city is an arrogance. You know, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, I've had I've had conversations with um, Steve Banks, who's the commissioner for the Department of Building, uh, Department of Homeless, and I've had conversations with uh, the one gentleman who used to be the commissioner of the Department of Buildings, and and I just feel in my conversations, look, these are dedicated guys. They they obviously believe in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be there's a difference of opinion, you know, as to how it should be done, and I sense. A, a, a bit of arrogance there. Like, who are you to challenge us? Well, let me tell you something. I'm a taxpayer in this city. I'm a customer in this city, okay? I pay taxes just like everybody else. At the very least, we're entitled to be treated with respect, not talked to like we're dummies and we're stupid, okay? Because there's a lot of smart people in New York City. There's a lot of smart people in Harlem, the Bronx, all these areas. We're not stupid, guys. We're not stupid. Just talk to us. Sit down with us. You know, maybe sit down with a small group of us and have an intelligent conversation about this so we can talk it out. They won't do it. I actually have emails from them saying that there's nothing to talk about. Nothing to talk about. They, that's how arrogant they are. These are very, very arrogant, angry people that will not sit down and have, a, a, you know, just a nice discussion over it and, and talk about it a little bit. Let us bring our experts in. You bring your experts in. Let's discuss it. Look, at the end of the day, and I'll say this to all the commissioners, at the end of the day, commissioners, all I want to do is make sure that the building is safe. All I want to make sure is that the people who occupy the building will never be in a situation where there's a fire and where they're trapped and where they die, just like what happened in Harlem, just like what happened um, you know, at the, uh, the Happy Land Fire Club, the Happy Land Fire Club, the Happy Land um, Social Club. That's all I'm. That's all I'm looking for. All just to sit down and to discuss this thing. And the re, and and the fact of the matter is that you don't want to have a sit down. That you're just completely closed minded. Says to me that you know something's broken here. Something's broken that needs to be fixed. This cannot be allowed to happen. I mean, one out of six schools in New York City can only accommodate handicapped kids. I mean, in this day and age, it should be six out of six. Do you know the Parks of Boy Hotel can't even accommodate? Handicapped people. You couldn't put them in there. The elevator's too tiny. You couldn't get stretchers up and down the stairs, really, in that with the winding staircase. I know. You, I'm looking at your face. And, and this is this is and this is this is this is these are by the way everything I'm saying to you right now, and I'm telling your audience this. Everything I'm saying, okay, these are all from experts. This isn't Mike Fisher making this up. These this is all from the experts, the best experts in New York City saying these things. I'm just. The messenger of what they're saying. Do you get frustrated? Not at all, never. Of course, very frustrated. But I'm also, you know, I'm a little bit older in my life. And so for me, the more they say no, the more it's a challenge to me. I like challenges. So I'm not as I'm not that frustrated because I get it. I get what's happening here. And so I just realize we just have to keep pounding and pounding and pounding to try to make some inroad here and maybe eventually They'll see the light, hopefully. It's just, you know, getting, getting, I always tell people that I work with on the, on the coalition, you're going to have your ups and downs every day. Some days you're going to get good news. Some days you're going to get bad news on the case. But I just tell them you just can't give up because if you, if you just stay the course, 
You know, the message that we're trying to deliver is a logical message. Eventually, somebody's going to hear it, and eventually, somebody's going to do something about it. Lawmakers that you've spoken to, mm-hmm. have you talked to anybody who is literally willing to propose legislation along the lines of what you're talking about? I don't like to give names. I'm not looking for them. Okay. I will tell you that there is, uh, and I won't even say their position, but they're a politician that has helped us significantly, and they're not even affiliated with our district. I will say that to you. They, they're, um, they're somebody who's very influential in Albany um, in terms of what we're looking to accomplish, and they're willing to do something. What I find um, very, very disappointing and I don't want to sit here and mention names, but our councilman, he's a nice guy. But you know what? Nice guys don't get the job done. You know what I mean? He could be a nice guy, but he's not getting the job done. So do I like him? No, because he's not getting the job done. The guy won't even send a letter to the city asking them to do an investigation, you know, out of concern for the building being unsafe. And it shocks me. Why not... Why, so, why do we have to rush into this? And he says, well, I trust what the DOB says. And I said, well, the DOB said the building in Harlem was safe. The DOB said that the paint chips on the walls were safe. You know, The DOB says lots of buildings are safe, and it turns out they're not. So why not take the extra time? And he just ignores me. He wouldn't have anything to do with it. Now, you might ask why. Let me throw that out to the politician. Why? Why aren't you getting involved? You know, do you did you promise something to somebody? I don't know, but it, it, it's kind of scary when you think about it. Mm. The voice of Mike Fisher, who is affiliated with the West 58th Street Coalition, talking with us on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And certainly, we wish you uh, good luck as you uh, continue in your efforts and keep us surprised of developments. I definitely will. That's hour one of our program this Sunday morning. We shift into a very interesting discussion with a couple of guests who are going to join us as we move toward our 7 o'clock hour this Sunday morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.